Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Well, we go to another special friend that I, I'm very eager to have you meet. I don't, I don't know if he's been on the World Prayer Network called Judy. Have we had him on before? No. How could this have happened? Father Frank Pavone, my good friend, Father Frank Pavone is with us right now. He's come through an interesting time. He's fought for pro-life. He's fought for babies in the womb forever. He's trying to defend those the defenseless. And he's really gone through a really difficult time recently in it. So we're going to start with that. Then we'll talk about the pro-life um, movement a little bit more. But Father, Father Frank Pavone, thank you for being on with us today. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Jim. It's great to be with you and great to be with all of you, brothers and sisters. Now, I see you got a picture of President Trump behind you. I've got to ask, why is that picture there? I didn't, I, you didn't know I was going to ask that, but why is it there? Well, because, you know, if he weren't where he has been, we wouldn't be where we are as a ministry. We were one of the ministries that had to fight all the way up to the Supreme Court uh, some years ago because the Obama-Biden administration was trying to force us to act contrary to our conscience with that, that mandate that was forcing some forms of abortion into the health insurance plans we offer our employees. So it was really President Trump and his administration that saved us and many others from that. And, uh, you know, we have him there as a, uh, we have that picture there as a reminder of what he has done for religious freedom, uh, what he has done for the unborn, and, uh, and in so many other ways for America and uh, for the world. I'm going to say this not for our World Prayer Network family, because they're so sophisticated and erudite, they already know this. But I'm saying this for the less than spiritually discerning who might be turning in, tuning in for this or reason uh, just to be critical of it. We don't care whether it's an R or a D after somebody's name. Our hope is not the Republican Party or the Democrat or independent. But we care deeply about biblical issues versus anti-biblical constructs. And what Father Frank has just talked about is precisely that. Defending life in the womb is distinctly godly. And killing babies in the womb is distinctly of the evil one. Nobody can justify that scripturally ever. Now, Father Pavone, you have been a warrior for this for Man, decade. We've been friends for a long time. Yes. You know, you've been involved. You've had me speak of some of your things. I've had you, you, you. We've been together a lot. But recently, you went through quite an experience with the Roman Catholic Church. It's kind of a tough story. You want to talk about it? Oh, sure. You know, basically what they told me back in uh, December was that I couldn't be a priest anymore. And uh, basically, uh, uh, Jim, what happened was they lost patience with me. Uh, our ministry is uh, kind of a reform movement within the church, even though the Catholic Church holds to the correct teaching in regard to abortion. Uh, as we all know, so many pastors are afraid to deal with it, afraid to talk about it, uh, afraid to uh, call their people uh, to work to protect the unborn, including in the political arena. But we were pricking their consciences for 30 years. I've been head of this ministry and we've been pricking their consciences. We've been saying, do more, make abortion more of a priority. If we can't defend the right to life, we're not defending the gospel of Christ. If we can't protect life, then we don't have any of our other rights that we can enjoy. Uh, and over and over again, over the last 20 of those 30 years, at various times, different bishops tried to hinder my work. 
tried to, uh, you know, the Catholic Church is very hierarchical and, you know, you need a lot of uh, permissions and so forth, especially if you, you're traveling across the country, as I've been doing for these 30 years, you go into somebody else's uh, territory and the local bishop there has to give you permission. And so they were trying to block these permissions and trying to slow me down. Meanwhile, the ministry just kept growing. And, and not only within the Catholic community, but as you well know, and as you just referred to, you know, within the wider body of Christ. I mean, we're all uh, so uh, uh, eager to work together uh, when it comes to something so biblically uh, primary as the defense of life. So they couldn't, they couldn't slow us down. They couldn't stop us. They couldn't silence us. Now, let me point out, we've had a lot of support within the Catholic community as well. So this has been kind of a back and forth, you know, those who support us, those who don't. It's, it's a division within the church. And most recently, uh, they, they said, all right, we've had enough of this. You know, well, you can't function as a priest anymore. Now, if that happened to most priests, they would be out of a job. They would lose their salary, lose their home, lose their staff. None of that happened to me because our ministry stands uh, on its own. So we don't get any money from the bishops or, you know, they, it doesn't depend on them. We've got supporters uh, across the nation, around the world. And so I've been able to continue all the different aspects of my work, except for those that require specific uh, priestly functions, the saying of mass, for example, uh, and so forth. So that in a nutshell is what's happening. You know, it is the weaponization of uh, the, the, the structures in the church, just like we see this weaponization uh, in, uh, in, in, in government nowadays against political uh, opponents. Um, and it has infiltrated into the, uh, into the church as well. Last month, you and I were at a conference, and this particular conference has a habit of opening their, their opening session where they have every person present introduce themselves. They have about 30 seconds to say what, who they are, what they do, and where they live kind of thing. And the microphone gets handed around to 400 people in the room. Now, some try to grandstand and take a little longer, but the MC generally slaps them down and says, nope, 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 your time's up, go on. So people observe it, and, but it takes quite a while for 400 people to introduce themselves to their ministry. So we were going around the room. We got to Father Pavone. He stood up and he says, my name is Father Frank Pavone. The place exploded in applause. A standing ovation that lasted a long time. It was a statement of affirmation for this man. I suppose the crowd, I'm just guessing, is probably 85% evangelical types and about 15% Catholic. Would that be a would that be a safe guess, you think? Yes, it would. And, and, and so as Catholics and evangelicals together, but overwhelmingly evangelicals, were cheering for this man for standing for truth in the midst of tremendous harassment. Now Protestant denominations, uh, most of them have some methodology by which they defrock you if they want to. And oftentimes it's over either scandalous issues like some kind of impropriety personally or, or fun funding. But this wasn't the case with you. There were none no. of those kinds of accusations. No scurrilous reports, no scandal, no nothing, just over the issue of your mission. And in and, and, and Protestant circles, they, they'll, they'll remove the credentials. And you're no longer ordained. That's what they do. But you were, I don't know, am I using the right word, defrocked, if, if, if the priesthood, 
simply for your mission of being pro-life when the Catholic Church is in fact itself officially pro-life. That's right. That's what makes this so uh, so shameful, you know, and they keep saying, oh, yes, you know, we agree with what you're what you're trying to do. We just don't like the way that you're doing it. You know, they said, I, I'm too aggressive on abortion. And, you know, I said back to them, well, as soon as abortion starts, stops being so aggressive on these babies, then you can come and talk to me about that. They didn't like the uh, the directness with which we deal with this. But at the same time, our ministry oversees the world's largest ministry for healing after abortion. So we welcome the, the moms, the, the dads that are hurting from the abortion of their children, the grandparents. Even I've ministered to, and, and I've ministered, for example, to Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade. She was a good friend, and, uh, and, and, and I guided her on her spiritual journey when she became pro-life. And on and on it goes in, in, in terms of our ministry showing the compassion of Christ when we repent of our sins, uh, his mercy, as we know, his mercy triumphs over judgment. So it's like, you know, they, they, they're looking at me and I, and I say to them, well, well, you know, you, you can't be accusing me of being uh, harsh or, or of lacking compassion. We have one of the largest compassion ministries in the world. So this is why it, it, it's so, they contradicted themselves so many times. It was one of those things where, you know, they ask you to do A, B, and C, you do it. And then they say, oh, but there's D, E, and F. You know, they kept moving the goalposts. And, and this is what people who are persecuting pastors uh, and the rest of us always do and this is this is interesting it's not this language it's not what you do but the way you do it that is dividing denomination after denomination uh i have a number of friends who are effectively ostracized from a good denomination because they're considered strident well dietrich bonhoeffer my goodness what was he uh, Martin Niemöller was on the edge of that, right? And, and yet we all preach sermons about him today, and, right. and not the others who compromise. One, one time, uh, Father Pavone, you'll find this interesting. There was a lady. There was a guy who drove onto our church property, a fairly sizable church property here in San Diego when I was in pastoring, with a truck with a picture of it of aborted fetuses. Now it was hard to see, and and, and we, we didn't really want children, young children who are very very young, seeing. There's a there's a time sensitivity on how you introduce topics of this nature. Yes. There are many people that were upset that he drove there, and he didn't have my permission. And I said, I said there, there's, I, I'm with you. I'm truly with you. But I want you to be highly sensitive to what you're, what you're doing right here. I tried to talk a little bit. But one lady in the church was really incensed. And I finally, I tried to probe a little deeper. I finally says, what, what do you find more, most offensive? That picture or the actual act of abortion itself? And I, I drilled down because the picture was offensive to her, but she wasn't bothered by abortion. So when people say, oh, you're too strident in your attempts, even that guy grinding the truck around, I've got a plot. He was trying to do the best he could to bring it into it. I was with a, 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 high, a moderately high-level governmental leader, and he was telling how inclusive he was. He was inclusive. I said, really? So uh, would you allow Hitler, for example, who killed six million Jews, to be a part of your... He's, oh, no, no. I said, uh, why not? He's, well, because he killed six million Jews. I said, well, then would you allow somebody to be a part of your group that, for example, supports the killing of babies in the womb that's killed 66 million in our country? Well, then he got real quiet. But he knew he was trapped. He was willing to accept somebody in who had killed babies in the womb. But Hitler 
for obvious reasons, was excluded from this. So I want to thank you for standing firm on this with the level of intensity that matches the level of the crime. Talk to us a little bit more about that because you are compassionate, you're loving, I know you well. You have an abortion recovery ministry. You said it's the largest in the world. That is, that is remarkable, that's stunning. Talk to us a little bit more about the pro-life struggle, what you do in this to try to bring, to try to bring healing, and then where are we in our struggle in America to see babies fully protected in the womb? Well, you know, as you just mentioned with that story, the word abortion has lost its meaning for a lot of our fellow citizens. It's a word, it's a concept, but the reality of what's going on is, is, has just escaped them. I always say America will not reject abortion until America sees abortion. And so, as you just said, with the time, with the respect of the manner in which you do it in the times and the places, uh, we do have to come face to face with the reality of who this baby is, what abortion does to the baby. And over these last 50 years, since the Roe v. Wade decision legalized abortion throughout pregnancy in 1973, the American people have become more and more aware of what abortion is, but they've constantly constantly been blocked in their efforts to protect these children because of Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade said, no, even if the people want to, even if the legislators want to, you can't protect the babies, at least not until viability. So Fortunately, almost now a year ago, the Supreme Court said, oh, we made a mistake. There really isn't a constitutional reason why the people and their elected representatives shouldn't be able to protect these children if they so choose. And it threw the issue back to the legislative branch without obstacles from the courts. Now, since that happened back in June, we have got now about 14 states that have said we are going to protect our unborn children. And then we've got several other states who have increased those protections or are in court battles uh, or are getting ready to increase that protection for these youngest and most vulnerable brothers and sisters of ours. So we have made just in the last uh, eight months or so tremendous progress in, um, in getting to the point where uh, these children have their right to life respected and protected. At the same time, though, certain states like California, Michigan, um, uh, several others have uh, put extreme laws in place or have even put into their constitutions that there should be no limit on abortion. Now, the American people have never, ever bought into that idea that someone should be able to abort, for example, a healthy baby in the sixth or seventh month of pregnancy, or should be able to abort children who feel pain, or should be able to abort children who can survive outside the womb. And yet uh, places like uh, California, Michigan, uh, uh, Colorado, New Jersey, Vermont, have put these laws into effect, New York, where I'm originally from, where, where there are no limits. And this is what uh, what many of our elected representatives uh, still want to do. They want to have a nationwide unlimited uh, uh, access to abortion. The American people never have and never will buy into that. And that's why it's time for everybody to fight harder than ever and make sure now that the courts are not going to stand in the way of protecting these babies, make sure that we make our voices heard both in the public forum and to our legislators. Are you able to speak to the issue of governor, former governor of Virginia, Ralph Norman, Northern, 
he was a medical doctor, his statement about taking the life of a baby after it's born, quote, we want to keep it comfortable until we take its life. And then the California proposal that a baby's life could be taken at one point is proposed up to 28 days after birth. Yes. This is, this shocks virtually everyone. Uh, yes. You say a word about that. Yes, Jim, what this is, is taking legal abortion to its logical conclusion. Here's what I mean. You talk to somebody who thinks abortion should be okay, and you ask them, well, why? Well, you know, uh, I'm too young, or, or the, per the woman might not be financially uh, capable of having another child, uh, and so she should be able to abort. She shouldn't be forced to carry that child. And you say, okay, so what if the child were born and uh, she was still in that situation? The birth of the child is not going to change uh, 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 her economic situation or whether she has other children already. What do you do then? Can you kill the newborn? And people will say, oh, no, 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 of course not. Yeah, but the reasons you just gave to justify the abortion haven't changed. So why is it that you can kill this same child inside the womb, but not as soon as he or she comes out of the womb? Well, you know, ethicist Peter Singer, who has been at Princeton, originally from Australia, uh, said, uh, you know, even though he's, he's very much in favor of, of abortion, he said, look, there are only two logical positions, either oppose abortion or endorse infanticide. And you think about the logic of this, he said, the reason that those are the only two consistent positions is that the physical act of birth cannot possibly be an event that changes the moral status of that child so dramatically that one minute you can literally chop its head off and the next minute, you know, if you harm that baby, you're, you're, you're in trouble with the law. Uh, and this is what this is what we're seeing now happening, not only in some of these legal proposals or comments like Governor Northam of Virginia uh, or, or proposals like like happened in California, but we also see, um, quote unquote, ethicists writing articles in respectable medical journals saying, well, yes, indeed, the choice should extend after birth. Uh, even some have proposed to even up to two years that the parents should be able to literally have the child killed because after all, they should not be burdened with a child they do not want. It's the bitter fruit of this poisonous idea that ultimately, and you look at it biblically, it's the idea that we can be God, that, that, that we have dominion over life and death. Whereas what is the biblical truth? Only God has dominion over life and death. Rosemary and I were in Turkey and Greece last August Jonathan Kahn had released a book before that called The Return of the Gods. Yes. Rosemary, say a word about that, because that is so relevant. This notion that a parent can kill a child, that has a spiritual negative, a spiritual rootage to it in demonic worship and in, in the false gods. You want to say a word about that? Well, what we learned and what we, what we understood from going to these sites where the apostles first went with the gospel and they too were shocked at the culture because that the culture um manifested in all forms of sexual perversion and child sacrifice and it wasn't just um the choice of the parents it was actually an act of worship to demonic entities people are worshiping demons 
when they abort their children, when they're promoting abortion, they are actually infusing the worship of Satan and the demonic realm and bringing curses upon themselves and everyone else in the land. So it's, it's much, as tragic as it is, it's on a whole nother level when you take a life like this. It is the worship of a, a demonic entity. And this is why we have such a battle, such spiritual warfare over this because of the, especially the innocent blood of children. Sexually perverted lifestyles are worship of demons. When people participate in them, they are worshiping spirits, demonic spirits. And there again, why their soul ties become so strong, they don't realize that what they're choosing to do is actually a form this sexual expression was the way gods and goddesses were worshipped in the ancient world. These entities um, are still like Jonathan Kahn's book teaches so well here today and welcomed into our culture. And so we are experiencing evil in a form we have never personally known, but the early church knew it and the early church overcame it through uh, the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb by preaching the gospel, they were able to bring um, Christianity and civilization uh, to the world. But now we're reverting back to these de demonic foundations. And so I wanna repent to the Lord for uh, worshiping gods apart from the one true God, the God of life and love, Adonai, the one, the creator, the one who sustains us and has even given himself for our salvation. And I, I just ask, Lord, that you give a revelation to people, the fear of the Lord, to really see in the spiritual realm, the tremendous evil entities that they are engaging and allowing their souls to be tied to. When they die, these entities will come and take them um, into their presence for all eternity. And Father, we want to, to be in your presence. So we ask for forgiveness for the, our sins. We ask for the forgiveness for the sin of abortion, that you would come and deliver our land of evil and pour out mercifully uh, upon those who are caught up in this deception, that the blindness would be broken off of their eyes, that they would not lose their um, eternal souls and the lives of millions of precious children would be saved to live the destiny that you've created them to have in Jesus name. We're going to continue the spirit of prayer on John Riddell. If you'll get ready to pray in just a moment. And then Tim Miller, I, I just need to ask this question. Uh, the state of Wyoming, I believe in the last couple days or so, I think they might be the first state to have ruled that the abortion pills are illegal within the state or I'm not sure. That's if I right. Understand. Okay. Talk, yes, talk that's right. Talk. The governor, the governor there, signed the first bill to 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 prohibit these uh, this chemical abortion a process that has become more and more widespread. So praise God for that, and I'm sure many of the other pro life governors and legislatures are going to follow his example. It, back to your my original question: Do you have a route of appeal for being reinstated as a priest? Or is there any option for you, uh, any kind of a trial, or how does that function within the church? Well, this was signed off on by the Pope. So the, the, the way that we reverse it now is to appeal to the Pope 
again and to say, you know, you've been badly informed, you uh, uh, need to consider the consequences of this, uh, the counter witness that this gives to the whole body of Christ, the scandal it creates. And that's what we're doing right now, uh, Jim, we're appealing back to the Pope. And you know what, if Pope Francis doesn't change his mind about this, there's going to be another Pope that comes after him, and we'll be knocking at his door on day one. Now, we Protestant evangelicals don't understand quite how that works. So we, we think of campaigns. Can I can I nominate you for Pope and run a campaign for you? <laughs> is that possible? Is that, is that okay? Well, you know, people of God do have to speak up when, uh, when the spirit moves them. So thank you for that affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with that bit of frivolity, we're going to go right back to prayer. Is there any question I should? Oh, by the way, how can people encourage and help you? What's your website? They want to support you financially in this. And by the way, I've heard your financial support has increased dramatically since this hammer came down on you. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Absolutely. Uh, and it's it's beautiful to see because the people know what we're doing. And and I said to the bishops, you know, they're not supporting us because you're telling them to do so. They're supporting us because we're saying and doing the things they wish their, their clergy were saying and doing, but they're not. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah, our website is endabortion.us. Endabortion US. I, uh, I just want to underscore what you said earlier. It's so important. I believe the word abortion, people have been inoculated to that word. So I've started using the word, instead of abortion, dismembering babies. Yes. Limb for limb with no anesthesia. Yes. I tried to bring that sort of a jolt to it. And on more than one occasion, I have said to someone who's, for example, running for, for a political position, I said, have you ever seen an abortion? And invariably, the answer is no. I said, well, if you're going to support it, maybe you ought to see it. Here's a CD. I want you to watch this right now. Watch what you support. And after you watch it, you tell me whether you can support uh, that kind of a treatment of another human being uh, ever. Right. Uh, Frank Pavone, any question I should have asked that I failed to? No, I think we did, a, we did a, a great job here tonight. You did a good job. And thank you for uh, this opportunity to speak on this broadcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the Well-Versed Podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.